0: I just want to read something from the Passion Translation. Just, you don't have to open. If you want to, you can, but just just feast. I'm going to give you a 72-ounce prime rib right now with a little gravy on the side. This is Romans 8:18 8, 18 through, uh, we'll go to about 25. I What? 18. <laughs> did I say 18 again? <laughs> did I say, okay, got it. That's an inside joke. You had to be there kind of a thing. But I... I said the other night, I said, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to teach from Romans 18. And everyone's looking at like, 18? That's not in my Bible. <laughs> Romans 8:18. 8, I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We, who have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, also inwardly grown, as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical bodies being transformed. For this, verse 24, this is the hope of our salvation. There's a lot of emotion going on. That's what this is up here. Paul is revealing an internal emotional state. He mentions there's this yearning, eager expectation, longing, agony, groaning, passionate longing. And sub-meanings of this, there's this anxious. I'll I'll just read it. This is what what you're feeling, whether you realize it or not. A yearning, an anxious longing, an eager expectation, longing, a strong desire and craving. You're in agony, a prolonged pain, an outburst of mental and emotional excitement. There's this groaning, a moaning, an expressing of grief, anger, desire, even a a deep sighing. And then there's this passionate longing, this patient waiting that Paul is describing in in this text. He's explaining this inner emotional state. And then what's interesting, he reveals what I like to call this threefold hope of our salvation. Hey, honey, do you want, since your handwriting's better, these initially were circles, but I bombed the circles. (laughs) So I made them into squares, a skill I learned when I was four. So... So there's this threefold <laughs> There's this threefold <laughs> what I said just hit me. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh god. Oh great, great. Awesome. So the threefold hope of our salvation, honey, in the first square. This is verse 18. Would you write down uh, the un- the unveiling of the magnitude of his glory. Or how- we'll shorten it up. Un, un- you got it? unveiling of the magnitude of his glory. That's in verse 18. Other translations also add to it. It's the glory that is about to be revealed to us, in us, for us, and conferred on us. That's the Amplified Classic. (laughs) Who wants some of that? Oh, my goodness. Number two, verse 23, the second part of our threefold hope of salvation is to experience the full status of our sonship and daughtership. Absolute full freaking status. Just write down full status as sons and daughters. No, no, don't write that. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sonship and daughtership. This is, this is inheritance, home, and legacy. Inheritance, home, and legacy. And then finally, the, the third part of our what I call the threefold hope of our salvation. And who wants this? The physical transformation of our bodies. So I can put a sock on without pulling my back <laughs> if we wear socks in the new kingdom, the new heaven. What's that? We won't need socks. Okay, that's excellent. That's my next book. Are there socks in heaven? (laughs) Deep theological. (laughs) I just saw a picture of Jesus walking around with white socks and sandals. Oh, Lord, no. That is not a manifestation of glory. Okay, thank you, honey. Yeah, thanks. Okay. So look at this. This is the threefold hope of our salvation. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I have not meditated. On, I forgot to hold this before me. The threefold hope of our salvation is the magnitude of the revealing of God's glory, the reaching the full status of our sonship and daughtership and the complete physical transformation of our bodies. And the idea is There's a lot of emotion here. And if we have what is, in a fancy way, called an overrealized eschatology, which is a fancy way of saying, we put our... I'll put it this way. I cause myself great torment when I think I'm supposed to have all these now. And there's teaching going out there that you can't have all this now. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, Right? But there's this over-realized end-time result of things. But here the Apostle Paul in Romans 8 is saying we have at least three things, brothers and sisters, that we are not going to fully experience until Christ returns. So we're in this ridiculous tension of the now and the not yet, aren't we? And the idea about this over-realized eschatology, it can lead us into a misunderstood and misapplied hope. And a misapplied hope can cause us to misinterpret and misapply what we're feeling as sons and daughters of God on this earth, what we are emotionally experienced. Let's start with this. What does hope mean? In Romans 8.24b, the Passion Translation, it literally reads, hope means that we must trust and wait for what is still unseen. If your hope is attached to seeing something right now, where Paul says it's not going to happen now, it's going to happen later, you're putting yourself in a precarious position. Verse 24, he goes on, for this is the hope of our salvation. The Aramaic puts it this way, therefore we live in this hope. This is the hope we're living in. I often honestly find myself living in a different hope. The great Christian someday, when this debt gets cleared, That then. When I finally get this position, then. I'm setting my hope on that. When this finally clears, then. When everything works out, then but that's not the hope we have. For this is the hope of our salvation. Other translation says we were saved in the sphere of this hope. We have been saved in this hope and for this future. You have been saved for this future. This is your future. The CEV puts it this way, and this hope is what saves us. This is what saves you. It's Jesus Christ, Christ in you. The whole He is the hope of God. But according to that trend, this is the hope that saves us in, in the daily moments, in all this crazy emotion that I'm going to unpack for you a little bit. The Living Bible puts it this way. We are saved by trusting. And trusting means looking forward to getting something we don't have yet. For a man who already has something doesn't need to hope and trust that he will get it. So there's a freedom and a fullness we have yet to experience. Revelation 21, 4, 5. Just think, when it's all said and done, man, Jesus comes and establishes a new heaven and a new earth. Just think, our our destination, first of all, is not necessarily heaven. Awesome. Heaven rocks. But Jesus said his destination, what was on his mind, was first of all, dad. No one gets to the Father who is in heaven. That's the destination, man. I can't wait to sit in my dad's lap. My dad is my destination. I want to see my dad. And so when he comes, he will... It's in the moment he returns, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And there at that moment will no longer be any death. I can't see. There will no longer be any mourning, anguish, sorrow, grief, or crying. There will no longer be any pain. for the first things have passed away, and Jesus says, I am making all things new. But forgive me when I say this. We're not there yet. And part of that just sucks. So what do we do with this tension? It's so real. Listen to this. Paul. Paul. What about now, Paul? In Second Corinthians four seventeen eighteen, for our light and momentary affliction, and now when Paul talks about it, he he's experienced physical affliction that you and I most likely have never experienced by and large. But you know what's interesting? This is also an inner affliction. This is quite emotion. This is an emotional state, isn't it? So this is an inward affliction too. For our light and momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal glory that is far beyond comparison. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Another translation says, or uh, when you do a word study, it says, we set our sights, we we look to the things unseen and expect divine intervention. And Paul continues in 2 Corinthians 5, 2, and verses 5 and 7. Listen to this. So then he says, meanwhile... So, what he's saying is, he's saying there's this state, there's this threefold hope of the unveiling of the magnitude of his glory, the full status of your sonship and daughtership, the complete ridiculous physical transformation of your body. And then he goes on to say, meanwhile, meaning, so what about now? In 2 Corinthians 5, he says this meanwhile, we groan. we groan. In the Aramaic, it means sigh and yearn, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Other translations, we ache with deep desire. We cry inside ourselves. We have a painful longing. Can anyone relate? The message translation humorously puts it this way. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move, meaning to get to our heavenly dwelling. And so we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack. (laughs) And he goes on to say, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little little bit of heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. Meaning so that we won't compromise the hope, so that we won't settle for a lesser worldly hope. And he goes on to say, In 2 Corinthians 5, while we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. What an amazing insight. We groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. Therefore, we are always confident. Because of this hope, now we have our confidence, although we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. And he finishes in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 5, for we walk by faith, not by sight. That whole text, that statement, that we all say, we walk by faith, not by sight, it's in the context of this tension of now and not yet and this groaning within us, realizing that there are some some things we are not going to get until Christ returns. And so here and now, we we feel these emotions. But if we understand what our hope really is, these feelings and emotions will drive us to create and capture by force a false hope based on feeling and misguided desire. Does that make sense? Let me read that again. So here and now, with all of these emotions yearning, anxious longing, eager expectation, this strong desire and craving, agony, prolonged pain, outburst of mental and emotional excitement, groaning, moaning, expressing grief, anger, desire, sighing, patiently waiting, passionately longing. So here and now, with all of that, if we misunderstand what our hope really is, these feelings and emotions will drive us to create and capture by force a false hope. Does that make sense? You'll end up creating something to allay these, to satisfy these. I mean, that's why you have guys in their 50s on occasion. I'm not saying this is how it is, but we're trying to prolong youth in our 50s and 60s. The guys are pumping themselves with t- steroids and testosterone and human growth hormones trying to turn back time. It's a desperate thing of trying to manifest a hope, but it's completely false. You're going to get a new body when Christ comes. (laughs) Hey, man, Scripture says your inner man is being transformed day by day even though our outer bodies are wasting away. Do you realize no matter how you feel, micro message, no matter how you feel, no matter what contradiction you face, your inner person is always being renewed. Right now, your inner person is being renewed. It's not stopping because what God speaks into existence doesn't stop. When your spirit was born again, boom, that transformation process, it never ceases. Until that day, we see him face to face, and we don't know what we will become, but we do know this, when we see him, we'll become like him. For we will see him as he is. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that jacks me up. <laughs> and then it says, and we will know him just as we have been fully known. Little side, so another micro message. On that, on that note, and we will know him just as we have been fully, we will, just as we have been fully known. So the thrill of knowing Christ fully, right? Can you imagine face-to-face encounter and finally knowing him? But here's another thing on that. What I read in that is this. For the first time ever, for the first time ever, you will know yourself fully just as you have been fully known. I want to encourage you with something. You don't really fully know yourself and neither do I. We know some things. But I don't fully know myself, and neither do you. And then that day comes, and we see Christ face to face, and we, and we say, Jesus, this is who you are. And he looks at us and says, Craig, this is who you are. And I'm like, Jesus. And he'll say, you look a lot like me, don't you? And I'm like, Jesus, I could get emotional. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. And then he'll say, but now you do. Now let's live eternal life. So here's the deal. What happens is when we apply all of this based on an overrealized eschatology, I'm supposed to have everything now, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Really, when you look at that prayer, I think Jesus was talking about the fullness of his kingdom coming. And we can pray, thy kingdom come, right? We are partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. I think the Phillips translation literally says we share in his very DNA. So we get to... T- we, Right? We have the Holy Spirit. So we taste it, and that's what has produced the longing. But when we forget this hope, which is a living hope, this hope doesn't disappoint. We're still feeling this. Paul said, what now? So we groan. With a misguided hope, all of a sudden, these emotions turn into despair. Does that make sense? I'll put it this way. You're groaning, period because you're a son and daughter of God. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you have joined yourself to the Lord and you have become one spirit, literally one breath. You're no longer breathing on your own, but you're breathing unforced rhythms of grace. You're breathing the very air of heaven. And if you don't have that hope, this groaning will actually increase our suffering. These emotions, I should say. So I'm thinking this. The, this realized threefold hope reveals that there is a soon coming answer for everything regarding your life. It can't not happen. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. It's happening. He's on his way. He's coming. The full magnitude of his glory will be revealed to you. You will attain your full status as his son and daughter. You will have a brand new glorified body. It can't not happen. We don't feast on that enough. That's my hunch. So what now? Maybe the frustration you're feeling... Is actually linked to one of these three facets of the hope of our salvation. What I mean is this I get an unexpected bill in the mail. It's money I don't have. Right? Here come the emotions frustration, agitation, anger. Most likely I might even I, I could even get mad at God, right? But now I want to wait, like, wait a minute, this frustration. As a son of God, what is, this in, what, what is this indicating now? This longing, this agony, this irritation right now. Oh, wait a minute. This is just reminding me that I have full status of my sonship coming. I have the full magnitude of his glory coming. I pulled my back out this morning. Of course, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Again? And then I'm like, wait a minute. I've got a brand new body coming my way. So you know what it does? Instead of despair, all of a sudden, this threefold hope of glory turns all of this into prayer. It becomes prayer. Because what's interesting is it's almost weird. Like Paul is talking, and he ends it with verse 24. Or I ended it with verse 24. For this is the hope of our salvation. And then he talks about hope. And then he goes on into verse 26. And in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty. And then he goes on into talking about prayer. And I think how I see this, I could be wrong, okay? I submit this to you. But when he talks about, and he talks about, and we don't know how to pray as we ought. I think he's talking about this now and not yet in this incredible hope that we're still waiting for. We're experiencing all these emotions and then all of a sudden he says, he calls this a a frail condition that we're in. But we're more than conquerors, yes. But we're also in this condition of the now and the not yet. And so all of a sudden he goes into prayer and he takes this into prayer and he says the Holy Spirit intercedes through us with yearning and groaning, and passionate longing, and eager expectation too deep for words. Paul highlights what Jesus, the the Spirit of God, does with this now and not yet tension. And we can all of a sudden take this and set this emotional experience inwardly to this hope that we have set before us. And it becomes prayer. Prayer. Does that make sense? Check this out. You know, and, 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 and honey, if you want I, want, I want Chris to share something, so whenever, okay. Okay. All right. That's the thing. I don't know what I'm about to do. So. And you know what's wild? And we read in Hebrews, this, this hope is the anchor of our soul. Well, what's our soul? A simple definition of our soul is what? Mind, will, and emotions. This hope, so all of a sudden, I'm feeling this longing, and if I attach it to this hope, it anchors. It anchors this, and it even purifies this, and it becomes prayer. So this hope anchors this this internal emotional situation we find ourselves in. So now I don't have to complain, I get to pray. Now I don't have to murmur, I get to pray. Now I don't have to say, um, life stinks, I get to pray. I get to take all of this, I get, to, I, get to, I get to anchor it right there. This hope serves as the anchor. This is the anchor of all of this. When I don't have this anchor, these are floating around like crazy in me. And then I would go abuse alcohol, go do drugs, go have whatever, binge, anesthetize, medicate, self medicate. Why? Because all of a sudden I had taken my eyes off the things unseen. Even Moses did this. He left, how could he have left Pharaoh all the riches? I mean, he basically had heaven on earth, relatively speaking. And it says he left having seen the one who is unseen. Hebrews 6, 18 through 20, we who have fled to him, just like Moses fled, we who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. This is an amplified classic. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it. It's a hope that reaches farther, and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. This hope that you and I have enters into the absolute certainty of God's presence. When I'm disengaged from this hope, I'm floating out here, and I don't sense often the certainty of his presence. Can you relate to that? But in this All of a sudden, I'm within the veil. It's all inside. It's internal. And we have this certainty of the presence of God. So even though I groan, Lord, I have your presence now, and you are coming in fullness. Even though I'm longing passionately, I have your presence now, and you are coming in fullness. And so I can ask, and we can ask God, I know this is coming only when you show up in full form. But here's the deal. I'm physically ailing right now. Could you render apparent a little more of this physical transformation, please? Could you render apparent some of that right now? Since I'm a partaker of you, I'm plugged into it, so are you, right? God, I'm confused. I deal with self-hatred. Tell you what, could you render more apparent right now? Could you download a little more, do a matrix thing of a little more, I know kung fu, I know who I am thing, right? God, this world, I'm just vexed by this world. Why do the wicked prosper, as, as David said? But then it's... Well, that's a whole other message. Then <laughs> I say, Father God, I need the unveiling of your glory, the magnitude of your splendor, your brightness, your majesty, your good opinion and intention about me before the fall ever took place. Render that apparent now. So this is just an indica- and These emotions are indicators of what you actually want to be rendered apparent. And Jesus says, child... All of this will be rendered apparent. It's coming because you're on an eternal time frame. Have you ever looked up the definition for the word eternity in the Greek? It's a wild definition. It means this, time out of mind. I want you to know you're living a life that is based on time out of mind. And the problem is on this side, we're stuck up here and we encapsulate it in here. So everything has to be now, 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 now. And I love how this hope purifies us or it inspires us to purity. 1 John John 3, 2 and 3. Dear friends, we are God's children now, but it has not yet been shown, I've already kind of quoted this, to us what we are going to be. We know that when he comes again, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. The person who is looking for this to happen will keep himself pure because Christ is pure. The voice translation puts it this way. All those who focus their hopes on him and his coming seek to purify themselves just as he is pure. Setting our, our hope. And it's not this passive defeatist thing. Well, who cares? He's coming, so what? nothing really matters. I'm not going to recycle because he's coming. Forget it. I'm going to watch that show on Netflix. He's coming. No. The fact that he's coming, according to that scripture from 1 John, inspires us to be pure because the pure one is coming. I want to… So, I keep… I'm reminded, oh my goodness, he's coming, he's coming. Yeah. And it becomes… a. A filter for my thoughts, for my emotions, for my actions, for my deeds. He's coming, so I'm not going to do this, I'm going to do this. He's coming, so I'm going to think this and not that. He's coming, I'm going to react that way and not this way. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming with the full magnitude of his glory, my full status as his son, and a freaking new body for me. He's coming. And Paul wasn't afraid to talk about this tension. So do do you understand? Is this making sense? Do you understand some of the things you and I feel just as living on this plane? And here's the good news. God knew we were going to experience this. Paul even says, so meanwhile, what do we do? We groan. We groan. And the opposite of that is what I said. The opposite of that is murmuring, complaining, complaining and all of that stuff, but in the hands of God. So that's despair, but all of this in the hands of the Holy Spirit is prayer. It's all prayer. I, here's what I'm trying to say. I think you've been praying more than you realize, or there's a great invitation to pray that's way beyond words. The Holy Spirit translates it. Oh, he brings it right to the throne room, a sigh. Literally a sigh is a prayer to God. Why? Because you're, that's what you're doing. Paul said that's what we're groaning and we're sighing. You've connected yourself to the source of life, and we haven't experienced the fullness of that yet. We sure have the deposit in the form of the Holy Spirit, given as earnest, that word earnest means engagement ring. And that's why we have that longing, because we've tasted, I want more, right? So I pay attention to, like a longing for people I know who are in pain. Some don't know Jesus, some are suffering. And I have this emotion right now. And I confess I don't know how to pray as I ought. And so I groan. Mm. And I cry. And we sigh. And I look up. With the eyes of my heart. (laughs) And I know He's coming. And one day there will be no pain, no suffering, no death. He's coming. And this is the hope of our salvation. And it's in this hope we live. And this hope inspires us to take risks, to take massive leaps of faith because He's coming. I can risk being made to look like a fool. I don't care. He's coming. I don't have time to waste anymore. He's coming. I pray may the god of hope fill you fill with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the holy spirit and this is not a hope to have all of our needs met now in this moment it's the hope fixed on the pure one christ who is coming Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's a hope that it is axiomatically set on the thing that is unseen. And so we get to expect divine intervention, and we get to pull and pray and knock and seek and ask and partake of this divine nature.
2: Um... I didn't know that Craig was working on this. And when we started sharing notes, it was, uh, I, I just leapt. Because um, for the last several months, I've been having these uh, moments with the Lord, yeah. hours with the Lord, <laughs> over um, over this this coming year. And interceding for our nation. And this... Um, This next election, as I've been asking the Lord, please help us do it better this time. About five years ago, I started getting these visions of, um, as I was praying for our country, and that I would see as a vision of, of the whole planet. And the enemy uh, would just have this axe in his hand, and he would start screaming, Divide! Pew! Divide! Pew! Divide! Like, over every nation. And I would sit there and jolt, like, uh, my whole body would shake and weep and groan, and like this, like, Lord, division, why so much division? And and our friends in Syria, and I mean, everywhere, and Brexit, and and our own elections and the state of our nation and, and the racial tensions, all everywhere you looked. In the next coming months, after I had these visions, all this division and division and division in every country. We have friends in South Africa, and like everywhere. A spirit of division washed over our planet in a, in a heightened way. And I saw um, this vision one day of a, of a body on the floor. It was like, you know, this um it was clearly um looked to me like it was clearly dead and it, it was surrounded by the you know, and they had the tape, that the, the police tape on the ground after there's a dead body on the ground. And I'm sorry, this is a bit gruesome. But the body was broken apart. The, the head was separate from the body and the, the limbs were all broken apart. And it was just, it was a, a body in shambles that every single joint was disconnected from the other parts of the body. And I was just grieving over the division in our world and, and um, asking the Lord, um, for the hope of heaven to invade our planet here and now. And then um, I, I, he said, no, look again. Look again. And I looked back at this vision and the veins were all still connected. The blood of Jesus was pulling the body back together again. The blood of Jesus is alive and active and the greatest unifying force that we have on this planet. And so I kept having these moments and these visions over our country. And then it's, it's picked up again lately because... Um, these elections that are coming, and and I'm sorry, in my opinion, we did it, as a nation, we did it very poorly last time, especially the Christians. We did it very poorly. And I'm like, Lord, help us uh, to do it better this time. Help us to carry the atmosphere of heaven into our world. And then just a couple of weeks ago, the Lord, um, he said, uh, he said, Chris, I'm sorry, um, but my church has become too worldly. I'm like Father, I know that's right. I know it's true. It's true for my life. I don't stand out. I blend right into the world. I'm acting just like the world. I dress like the world. I look like the world. I, it's like in a lot of ways, and I'm not, a, I'm, you might be really different. I'm, this is primarily between me and God and his speaking over my life, but in, in much of our nation, the, the church is too worldly. And he, and, um, but I felt like the father said, it's, My church has attached itself to the world and therefore it's insecure because the world is an insecure place. There is something inside of us. Every single human needs and longs for security. We need it like food. We need it like air. We need security like water. We need security in the depths of our being, but we are constantly looking for th- for security in insecure places. We are looking for security in finances. We are looking for security in our marriages and relationships. We're looking for security in our children and our churches and our ministries. We, we search for security because it is a basic human need. So that's why the Buddhists have it all wrong, because they're just telling us to detach from the world and have have no need and that's impossible for the human being and then the Lord said but you're not to be anchored in the world you're to be anchored in eternity and I saw this picture of the church globally but I felt like it was a specific calling to the body of Christ in America. Right now, I saw him say, remove your anchor from this world and throw your anchor into heaven. Heaven is our unifying force, not our theology. Heaven is our unifying force, not our politics. Heaven is where we're unified. We are not of this world. And and I'm not saying that politics and theology is wrong. Of course, hear me. I'm just saying... i don't know i do question politics but that's a different story (laughs) but i do we are to be anchored into eternity this is our anchor the hope of our eternal promise the hope of our eternal destination the hope of our eternal identity is anchored in heaven and not of this world and it's the only thing the only place that we will find security and i saw as the church threw its anchor it like like unlodged its anchor into the world and and threw its anchor into heaven we became the most secure people on the planet because there's nothing in this world that can shake us if we're anchored in heaven there's nothing in this world that can alter us that can cause us to tremble that can cause us to fear when our hope is anchored in the right place when our anchor of our identity is set in heaven we are to be a free people, detached from the worldly things that the enemy has tried to give, a false hope and a false security. And we are to be anchored in heaven, a people, ambassadors from another place, carrying out our identity here in this earth and being a shining bright light on a hill. And that's my prayer for this next year. Amen. Wait, like are you, you have more? Amen. Let's clap over that. That's, that's some good. So yeah that was Craig not Chris can I do an altar call or are you like planning for something
3: you know uh, desperation can be uh, a great motivator um, most of you know that, you know, about a month or two ago, Paul and I were sitting in a doctor's office at UVA, and a uh, doctor drops on us, you know, a diagnosis that we were not expecting, and so shock hits us. So anyway, you know, so you're searching for, all right, God, what do we do? Because you're off, off, off balance, and you know Jesus is it. And hope is an anchor hope i always see hope is like a the object of our faith faith is assurance of things hoped for hope is like a plug-in in a wall where you draw resources out of or there's the plug-in of heaven and we plug into it and draw resources out of it and so so as you know I'm wrestling okay god healing healing because doctors are not giving us any hope and so tom and i had breakfast one morning and burby being burby he goes, we start talking about healing and salvation. And I go, healing and salvation. The Greek word is sozo. Sozo. And he said, healing and salvation. I said, okay. So, so, like many times I'm with Burby, I say, okay, well, I'll think about it. So I go home and I pull out my computer, and 100, sozo is used 107 times in the New Testament. But 16 times it's used in relationship to physical healing. Now, why am I saying this, okay? Craig just spoke. In hope, we are what? Saved. Sozo. In hope, are we saved. Now, Craig's talking about this is heaven. I mean, the is before us. And he's talking about this, this dynamic tension. Well, you remember, in, you know, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 5, it says this. It takes this phrase. Those who have tasted of the powers to come. Tasted of the powers to come. That's in Hebrews 6, 5. And so, so y'all, it's not just for the hereafter. And I that's Hebrews 6, 5. In Hebrews 6.18, so that by, to hear this very carefully, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement to take hold of the hope. Hear it? Take hold. Take hold number of times in the New Testament it uses the phrase, set our hope, set our hope, fix our hope. See, y'all, oh, we can take a very passive approach to things that Craig has just shared this morning. But God's saying, take it, take it, and taste of the powers to come. Jim, you kept talking about powers is going to be that which heals you. And so God is calling us to take hold of the hope before us. Set it. We make the choice. God's put it before us. He's established it. And he's given his spirit in us to intercede for us with groanings and come in agreement in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Call it forth. Taste of the heavens, of the powers of the age to come. We talked about this one time, Brandon. Salvation. So I just want to believe for the salvation. I want to take hold of the hope that is Jesus. You know, and like I shared with you all a couple of Sundays ago, in relationship to the diagnosis that we received, 1 John five nine says, which if we receive the testimony or witness of men, and it was kind of interesting to me, the doctor says. We sat down with him and he had not had the biopsy yet. He saw an x-ray, he saw a picture, he saw an x-ray and he pronounced into us in faith, death. Okay, you hear what I said? And then they did a biopsy and, you know, biopsy quote confirmed what he thought. But it says, if we receive the testimony of men... Verse nine says, "The testimony of God is greater." Amen. This is the testimony of God that we may have life, and life is in His Son. Grab hold of the hope that is set before us. So whatever the need is within you, when you set your hope on Him, Craig quoted um, First John three: two and three. But't hear it. It's, it's, it's got bigger than just being pure. It says, he who fixes hope on him purifies himself just as he himself is pure. But I know it does say in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we with an unveiled face as beholding in a mirror, fixing our hope on him, taking hold of the hope, are transformed into the same glory as from glory to what? Glory. glory. So God is calling us as an individual. Whatever the situation, your situation may not be what Paul and I are. Paul and how, whatever grammar that is. (laughs) Me and you. You may not be facing the way that we need to fix hope in different ways, but you do have things that you need Jesus for, the realities of that which is to come. God is calling us to call forth the... The powers of the age to come and bring up to this place, this time, now. Amen. Amen. Tag team wrestling.
1: <laughs>
2: oh, yeah. So, can you hear the, the tension? between the eternal and the now. Rick and Paula are fighting uh, for uh, a miracle, and they need a breakthrough here and now. And many of you are in the same place. Um, There is something, and I don't this is, this is a topic we can talk about for hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks. This is deep and complicated in our own souls and rich. But they, um, they do not cancel each other out. Our needs here do not cancel out our hope of heaven. And our hope of heaven do not cancel out our needs here. They, they, are, they are both true. But inside of us, what rises to the top? If our, if our comfort, if our will, if our desires for the here and the now are bigger than our anchor of hope in the eternal, I think we're out of balance. The eternal always rises to the top. And honestly, in my life, there's been many seasons where I'm out of balance. I'm more aware of my current present needs here and now, and especially in a situation where they're screaming in your face your, your needs here and now. But there is something that when we can throw that anchor into the eternal and and which i think our culture is really weakened we're pretty good with the here and now we're pretty good in being aware of our needs we're pretty good at our, our fighting to bring heaven to, the, to earth We're that's more of our common that's our the place that our culture has been steeping in for a while now but our um... i believe in many circles that I've been involved in um, where we're weak is actually anchoring our hope in the eternal glory. Like, I can actually prophesy and promise to every single person in this room that you can smile at your future, that there is glory, that we we are told in the scripture to fantasize and to dream and to get excited about heaven and to spur one another on with our guarantee hope of expectation and glory for all eternity. We don't talk like that, do we? We don't speak those things. We need to. We, as, as that anchor is in heaven, I believe that actually accesses more for the here and the now. Instead of us being anchored in the here and now, trying to pull heaven down, it's like, no, actually I am seated at the right hand of the Father right here and now. And it's pretty easy. When I am anchored in that place, when I am anchored in heaven, I, I'm bringing heaven here is a whole lot easier. So that has to come first. But we're not doing that for the sake of getting our will in our way here on earth. We're doing that for the sake of, because it's what he told us to do. And he knows that that's when everything is aligned in our life is when we're anchored there. Right? So there's two things that I want to um, pray into and have a, a bit of an altar call. There's a prayer team and stuff here, right? Right? Obviously, I'm not going to do all the praying. <laughs> um, so we, are, we do need the prayer team. But there's, I feel like there's two groups of people that we really need to speak to and pray for this morning. Number one, I want to release the intercessors. I want to release the intercessors to groan, to be anchored in heaven and to release the groans because we are groaning. There's a lot of groaning. We are very aware of the pain and suffering here and now. There's a, we are deeply aware of the longing, of the eager expectation, of the yearning. And there's nothing better to re, then to release that in the, in the moment of intercession where you can anchor in heaven and know, I am longing for things that are not there yet, but I know, I know that that is my future. And I'm going to long and feel the groan and release it into this world. There is a, an intercession of groaning that I believe that the Lord wants to release. And then, so how many of you, just raise your hands, how many of you feel that groaning happening inside of you right now? All right, that's Intercession. So we're going to release um, the intercessors to groan and to pray that, and then the other part is how many of you can, can not even remember the last time you thought about heaven. And let your imagination dwell on your future. How many? Be honest. There was like years where I stopped. I'm like, when was the last time I actually fantasized about heaven, about my homeland? How? When was the last time that I let my emotions connect with my future? Like, do I think that? Do I daydream about heaven on a daily basis? Now I do, but it's, that's one of my spiritual disciplines now. Because I went years without ever thinking about heaven. How many of you can feel that? When was the last time you thought about heaven? You can't even remember. I want to pray. Um, I want I prayer for that to help anchor to help anchor us into heaven you you ones to raise your hands thank you very much for raising your hands today we're going to pull your anchor and your awareness and your emotional connection out of this world and throw it into heaven telling you everything's happier when you're anchored in heaven There is nothing to be sad about. Everything is knocked into perspective because you're like, no, my hope isn't in a perfect world. I'm going to work to bring the kingdom to earth. I'm going to work. Anyway, I'm going to go off and preach a whole second message, but you get it. It's a good day when we can fantasize and dream and have our hope anchored in heaven. There is nothing passive about a heavenly hope. When when it's real inside of us, when it's vibrant inside of us, we can't help but spread the kingdom everywhere we go. That's the way that we do it. We can't spread something we're not connected to. We can't spread something that we're not even thinking about. We can't spread something that we're not emotionally aware of. How can we spread the kingdom if ah, if we're not even thinking about heaven? That's no other choice but striving in my own strength. So, there is an emotional connection to heaven that the Lord wants to unleash this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Prayer team, music, go! <laughs> Cue the people! <laughs> Absolutely, and then wrap
1: this thing up. No, no. Uh, I, I just want to add another topic to the conversation. Maybe it's the third side of the coin. Yeah, I'm sure. That's a weird coin. Um, I, yeah. What, what the Lord spoke to me this week was that I was in a season of, um, well, he said this, denial is not faith. Right. And denial is an attempt at faith, but, but by disconnecting emotion. And so I wonder, is there also this other piece that maybe I'm not the only one struggling with that says, man, I'm just going to anchor myself here, but to do that I'm going to actually sever off everything that Craig was actually saying exists and denying that. So maybe if there's a piece, maybe anybody else that can um, relate to that area where maybe you're struggling to even feel some of those because you've severed some of that in order to try to anchor there, but it's in denial and not faith.
2: Yeah, no, that's... um that's right on. There is, no, there is no true faith in denial. That's disconnection. We talked about that last night. Disconnecting from the truth of our emotional state is not true faith. Faith requires your wholehearted um, connection. That's how I would say that. It's all the same conversation. But that's more of the, the way that faith and the word of faith world has, has peop, the way that people have responded to faith. Is they don't know how to do that and fully engage with a whole heart. So often there has been a disconnection, and that's the spirit of religion. That's not faith. So it is a redefinition of faith. Is what that's a whole different teaching, and it's necessary. But let me just say that that's not real faith. That's um, that's religion. True faith is engaged wholeheartedly and is brutally honest, and it's not contradictory. So we just opened up a can that we can't close.
0: Hope that
3: Craig talks about is not a thing. It's a person. Christ in you, what? So fixing our hope on heaven is fixing our hope on Jesus. But fixing our hope on Jesus is to hear Jesus' heart and his perspectives about the events that we're entertaining in this world. It's not disconnecting from here. It's hearing what he's saying. Hearing what he's seeing. And hearing what he's doing. Because Jesus said the Son does nothing of himself except what he sees the Father doing. So Joe, it's not disconnecting from here. It's hearing what he's saying about what is going on here. Because his heart is to bring what is heaven to what? Earth. Earth. So yeah. So we to pray? So let me pray. Lord, I just thank you for the word that Craig has given us. Lord, I thank you for the realities of who you are. Lord, I pray that our eyes be open, Lord, while we look not at the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal in the heavens. And your word declares, Lord, if we look and fix our faith on that which is seen, our faith will be temporary. But, Lord, if we fix our hope and our faith on the things which are not seen, our faith will be eternal in the heavens. So, God, we just choose now to take hold of the anchor, take hold of you, Jesus, and allow and bring the realities of you into the realities of our life. Lord, we call for the realities of you. We, Lord, we forgive us for passivities of not setting our hope, fixing our hope, grabbing hold of the hope set before us. So, God, right now, Lord, we choose to fix our hope on you and draw on the powers of the age to come to be released on this earth. God, into our circumstances, whatever it may be. So, Lord, we call forth. Call it forth in the name of Jesus. Lord, we rebuke passivity, we rebuke fears and doubts in the name of Jesus. I rebuke unbelief in Jesus' name. Lord, the things that would distract us from the realities of you. So God, we step out in faith, we call forth in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.